Grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast bringing you true crime from around the world. Grab a beer and pull up a deck chair. This is True Crime Island, another true crime podcast. So hi, Islanders. I hope you're all well. Sorry for the break last week, but life got in the way a little bit. Things got pushed back a bit. And I was with the parents this weekend, so this is also a Monday recording session. And when I got home yesterday, Sunday... Oh my God, I was so tired, but it was a good weekend. And for those who saw my posts on Facebook, yes, I am trying to resurrect the beast, the V8 Fairmont two-door coupe. A lot more work to do, of course. The battery's dead flat. And so it's on the charger, and this new charger is one of these staged ones. So it's trying to do a uh, desulfate, desulfide or something like that. Anyway, it's, it's not ready to kick over yet. So, over the last few weeks, we've had mothers killing daughters and daughters taking out hits on parents. This week, we have another case. This time, a son would kill his parents and one of his brothers. It's the reason why he does this that's so bizarre, with Bulgarian cam girls involved, druggings and theft entwined throughout the story. So, first off, thank you to all that supported the Hot Pink Logo program. The the shirts are being shipped as I speak. Also, I got my masks this afternoon, the ones I've got on Redbubble. So, uh, I should be able to wear that outside. If you're looking for a mask, to probably go over the mask you are actually wearing. I wouldn't say, you know, they're medical-type masks, but they look nice. Uh, They're available on Redbubble. Anyway, tonight... I, uh, what have we done? We've referenced the Orlando Sentinel, the Springfield News Sun and Court TV. And let's get stuck straight in, straight into this. So this is a relatively recent case. Tonight we go to Chuluat. Here we go again. I should just pick stories with suburbs that I can actually pronounce. Let's Chuluota. Chuluota. Seminole County, Florida, of all places. So we're going to have a Florida man. It's here that the Amato family live in a rural property on 2112 Sultan Circle, Chuluota, Florida. Now, I suppose the main parts of this case happened around late 2018 to early 2019. The Amato family, father 59-year-old Chad, mother Margaret Ann Amato, 61, and their three sons, Jason Amato, 33, 31-year-old Cody Amato, and 29-year-old Grant Amato. I think Jason's... Well, Jason doesn't have much of a part in this story. It's more Cody and Grant. But Jason is the eldest brother. Chad had previously, this is the father, worked in the pharmaceutical field. But as time went on, his qualifications limited him to a sort of a call centre role at CVS, which is an online pharmaceutical company, where he would be contacted for advice on dispensing medicines. Still, he was on about $110,000 per year. This is US dollars 
not Canadian or Australian dollars. They're real dollars. Chad was strict but fair with his family, very generous and only wanted the best for them. He was, however, the one that had to dish out the discipline in the family, which is, you know, that's how some families were. Mother Margaret, she worked from a home office. She'd worked her way up from high school to work for Nuance, which is a large communications company, and apparently she earned about $90,000 a year. So she's doing all right as well. Now, Margaret, she loved horses and had actually rescued a former racehorse that kept wandering into her yard. Even though it was a hard road to rehabilitate the horse, and being bucked off several times, I said bucked off several times, she persisted and won it over. She was known for having not only a love for horses, but also a deep love of her family. Jason Amato, he was not Chad's biological son, but he was adopted when Margaret and Chad married. Cody, he worked at Orlando Regional Medical Center as a nurse, actually an anesthesia nurse, And he was on really good money as well, about approximately $150,000 or more, depending on what shifts he wanted to do. He worked there with his girlfriend. Now, Grant had followed his brother into nursing. He gained a Bachelor in Science and Nursing and had studied to become an anesthesia nurse, same as Cody, but he dropped out towards the end of the course. Grant and Cody were always close as they grew up together. And overall, the family seemed to be living the dream. The family loved guns. There's nothing wrong with that. They all seemed to have several. And I know that Chad and Cody had permits to carry. Now, even though the two sons lived at home, they still had to pay $600 a month board. But they also paid for their own internet access. Now, that's still pretty cheap, but it was something. Something to help contribute to the household but things would start to take a disastrous turn for the worse and soon spiral out of control grant got busted for stealing drugs at his work in june 2018 now he wasn't only stealing drugs which was propofol now that you might remember that that was the same drug that killed michael jackson He used the drugs to sedate patients so he wouldn't have to deal with them while on shift. Now, this is alleged, but there's reasons why he wasn't charged and found guilty. But it's pretty much, from what I can see, this is what he was doing. So, okay, it was alleged he was drugging the patients so he had an easy time at work. Now, Grant reckoned he only gave it to them because they needed it, that the doctors weren't giving them enough uh, sedation. Now, he would be arrested in his scrubs in the parking lot of the hospital he worked at and was charged with grand theft in the third degree, if that makes sense. He later would write a letter to the hospital explaining his reason for, for administering the drugs and giving it to them because he thought they needed it. Now, you'll find out as we go further into the case that it was more likely, like I said, because he just wanted them sedated to make his job easier. He would be sacked and charged, and he faced a disciplinary hearing as to whether he would also lose his nursing license. So, now he had no job, he had no income, he couldn't get work in his profession at least, 
until the charges were proven or disproven. But at least he was living at home and his parents and brothers were there to support him and get him through this setback in his life. He also, of course, had a $100,000 debt for his studies, which a lot of people would have and would understand. You know, you study for a few years, you've got this bill, eventually you've got to pay it back. He decided he would try his hand at becoming a Twitch streamer. Now, for those who don't know what that is, it's where people will play video games online and generally what you'll see, you'll see the game they're in with a small box in the corner of the screen where you can watch the player playing. If you understand what I mean, you're going to actually see on your screen that this is generally the way they're set up. You're in the game watching them play and just in the corner of the screen, you're actually, they've got a camera on themselves so they can react to how they're playing the game. They'd be talking to other players, all this sort of stuff. It is quite big. That's how Twitch started out. Um, it's not sort of what it's known for now. Now it's infested with cam girls squeezing money from teenage boys who aren't, say, allowed to watch Pornhub. But that's another tangent I'm not going to go down at the moment. Um, check out my mate It's a Gundam on YouTube if you, if you want to see what Twitch has become. All right, but idle, idle hands will do the devil's work, so they say. And this would be true for Grant Amato. Now, he loved playing video games, not only with his brother, but with his good mate Jericho Fine. Cody, he'd build a couple of pretty high-end computers. He didn't mind spending the money because he loved hanging out with his brother. So Grant and Cody would actually build them, but Cody was the one who was paying for everything. But being online and having a lot of time to be online, Grant, who'd only ever had one girlfriend while at school and hadn't had a relationship for years, he started to go searching for a bit of porno, as as you do, you know. Well, when I said idle hands do the devil's work, well, you could say that Grant's hands weren't so idle. In fact, probably the opposite. Not satisfied for just watching some stick flicks, he started to wander into the world of cybersex. Cybersex. It's out there, people. Just be careful. So it wouldn't be long before he came across a website called myfreecams.com. Now, that's a website that lists thousands of cam girls and boys, not only for free... But you can also pay for special shows and content from all over the world. You can hook up and stick a camera on yourself. Now, I don't know. <laughs> you might be, have to be one of the free ones. I don't know. I know there's some people. I know I'm not going to pay. I don't want to see them naked doing whatever. But on these sites, there's thousands of them. You can type in Whatever you want to sort of see, whatever turns you on. That's rule 34 of the internet, which I've discussed before on earlier shows. But yeah, you can do that. You can you can see, open up all these cams and it's just like, wow, I like that person. Sort of like, I don't know, podcasts where if you like one, you can become a patron or send them some money on PayPal. Anyway, it's here. 
that Grant would meet a Bulgarian cam girl called Sylvie. Now, Grant portrayed himself to Sylvie as a very well-off dude, that he was a professional video gamer, that he owned his own house, and that he drove a BMW. So, now, to get to know her a little bit better, he had to pay to play. Now, Sylvie would change, and I'll, I'll add, <laughs> I'll do the maths for this when we've finished. Not, not finished, but in a minute. Sylvie would charge 90 tokens a minute. Now, you could buy 5,000 tokens for $599.99, like basically 600 bucks. So, like I said, I'll do the maths for you here. The 5,000 tokens, now that would last 56 minutes talking to Sylvie. Now, Grant would spend up to four hours a night on interactions with Sylvie. Now, he was part of also part of a chat room for her highest benefactors, which included six other guys, a Jim, a Josh, an Ian, a Sven, a Frank, and a Wolf. Now, these guys would chat together and pay for special shows from Sylvie. Now, Grant would also tell everyone, all the six guys and Sylvie, how wealthy he was. Of course, he was the professional gamer thing and all that shit. Now, on the internet, he become he became the fantasy Grant, the virtual Grant, the Grant that Grant wanted to be with his wealth and his love, Sylvie. Right. Now, this is a guy who's living at home, he's unemployed and facing charges that could ruin his chance of ever being employed, let alone getting any sort of decent job. So... As you can imagine, Sylvie did believe he was well off. Now, out of this, with this 56 minutes that the 5,000 tokens, which cost six, virtually 600 US dollars, so $600 doesn't even get you one hour, he was spending on average around $2,400 a night on Sylvie. And on some days, he spent over $20,000. Now, that was a, a night in November. Now, that's $20,000 US dollars in one, over a, like a period of 24 hours or so. Fuck, that's a lot of money. Now, so where's he getting this money from? Yeah, as we know, he's living at home and he's unemployed. He's got no income. Well, he'd get a little bit from here and a little bit from there. He had his, his father's credit card details. Now, they were given to him to help with his Twitch streaming career, to help promote his, his Twitchness, I suppose. But the parents... They didn't really know how this Twitch thing worked. They thought he had to pay all this money up front to get Facebook uh, ads, Twitter ads, all this sort of stuff. It costs money to set up, but then the money will come rolling in. So if 500 here, 500 there, they weren't really watching their finances, but they sort of thought, well, that's where the money's going. So 
So where else did he get his money from? Grant had quite a few guns in his collection, including pistols and a shotgun that was used for clay pigeon shooting. These would eventually be all sold off to help pay for this obsession with talking to cam girl Sylvie. Now, his brother Cody, he was actually paying his legal fees regarding the stealing of drugs, all that sort of stuff. Cody paid $8,000 to a lawyer, which was 5000 for the theft case, and there was 3000 provision for when he went up against the nursing board regarding his license. Now, somehow, the charges were dropped, and because he then didn't have to go to court over the theft of the drugs charges, in turn, he didn't then have to front up to the nursing board hearing. Now, Grant went to the lawyer and asked for a refund of that $3,000, but he was told that it was non-refundable as per the contract he signed. Yeah, yep. It wasn't Grant's money, so when he signed the contract, he didn't even bother reading the terms and conditions. Now, you'll find that everything to do with Grant seems to cost thousands, and for someone with no money living off his parents and brother, it all starts to show how out of control he was at the time, and whenever he discussed money, thousands just rolled off his tongue so easily, like he was actually talking about the dollar amount, say something cost $10,000, he would be talking about it like it was just $10. It wasn't his money, and he seemed to be living in this fantasy world, a fantasy world where he and his love, cam girl Sylvie, they lived in some sort of digital paradise, so far apart yet connected via the internet. Okay, so shit's starting to get real. Grant is siphoning off tens of thousands of dollars from his parents' bank accounts. Grant, depressed after getting busted at work for stealing drugs and sedating patients, he was girlfriendless for years, is getting sucked into this virtual fantasy world where the only one who seems to give him any pleasure is Sylvie, his virtual girlfriend. But Grant sees it much more than just a pay-to-play online girlfriend experience he sees it as much much more sylvie even sends him birthday cards sealed with a kiss grant sends her sex toys and lingerie for sylvie to model for him so (laughs) this is where you're going to get some strange things on your credit card uh well his mum dad and brother were now i need to clarify this Right now, Sylvie is under the impression that Grant is independently wealthy and can afford to pay her the huge amounts that he does. It is her job being a cam girl or internet model or whatever you want to call her. She doesn't in any way give the impression to Grant that she is his girlfriend other than paying for the girlfriend experience online. And why, look, why would anyone think that way anyway? It is her job to interact with her customers. Those who pay more get more attention. They get more explicit shows. She does cop a lot of backlash from the internet over this whole saga, but really she had no idea what was really going on until 
Grant's family start to notice that not just a few thousand or even tens of thousands of dollars have gone missing from their accounts, but hundreds of thousands of dollars. In a few short months, Grant had basically wiped out the family's finances to the tune, get this, of over $200,000. Yes, $200,000 gone in such a short time. We're only talking a few months. All of it went to Sylvie, the Bulgarian cam girl. I suppose when we calculated how much the tokens were to buy and how fast Grant was spending them around, you know, on average $2,400 a night, it doesn't take long to rack up $200,000 worth. Now, Chad Amato, the father, he is pissed off. Basically, his retirement funds are gone. Now, he would have to take out a $150,000 mortgage on the home because of this. Other family members have lost money and all to Grant's online porn addiction, this Sylvie Cam girl. Now, this, it's sort of like a real, what the fuck were you thinking, Grant? I mean, if someone spent $1,000 on your credit card on something like this, you'd think, what the fuck? What'd you do that for? We're talking $200,000. Now, this was fraudulently taken, some of it, but Chad Amato, he even let this fraud go through. Grant got a line of credit through his name, but Chad let it go through. So Grant wouldn't end up getting charges against him. He's already facing charges. He didn't want anything more to happen to him. He didn't want him to go to jail because of that. So he sort of went, yeah, okay, you got a line of credit through my bank. <laughs> but I'm just going to let that go. Now, the family went through his online records, and of course, they had to go and check their bank accounts. And this is how they discovered where this money was going. So there's money going out, but it's all going to one place. Now, rather than just kick Grant out, I mean, they were angry, they were pissed off, they were shocked, but decided the only way to sort this out was to try and break him away from this virtual girlfriend, Sylvie, and try and restrict his online activities. The family contacted Sylvie and told them the truth about Grant, how he wasn't wealthy, he lived at home, and drove a shitbox Honda, not a BMW. She seemed to, she, she seemed to do the right thing then, and she sort of finished with him as a customer. As you can imagine, all this money's come into you. I don't think the money went back at all. It wasn't like it was, how can I say, when you do a chargeback on your credit card, that's not going to happen. Because if they do that, then Grant's going to be in trouble with the cops. So they've just had to just say goodbye to this. Sylvie's just tried to do the right thing and go, okay, I know that guy now. I'm not going to deal with him. I'm going to take his money from him. Okay, so remember Jericho is one of Cody and Grant's friends who they play video games with. Now, Cody and Jericho, they planned a trip to Japan, which included Grant. 
Now, as you know, Grant's got no money. So Cody coughed up the 10000 it would cost for the two-week holiday. Now, I see this as a way for Cody to help his brother get his mind off all his worries, to help try and make a break from Sylvie and be able to come home after the holiday and try and get his life back on track. Now, you can start to see how much Cody loved his brother. Grant had touched him for a lot of money as well, but still, he just wanted Grant to get back on track. You know, sometimes it's more family over money. The money doesn't matter. We can always earn money, but I can't get my brother back. And that was very much the case here. While over in Japan, Jericho noticed one day that Grant was acting a little bit strange and Cody seemed concerned and there was a little bit of tension between them. Grant then went missing for a couple of hours and they found him in one of those pachinko parlours. That's one of those places you gamble with those little ball bearing things. Now Grant was using his tablet on the free Wi-Fi. Then Jericho noticed his Discover card was used to make unauthorised charges. He would say, one went through, this is the charges, but the other two were denied and they were for my free CAMS tokens. Now what a nice bloke. You're in Japan on a trip fully financed by your brother to help you get over the fact that you spent all your money, all of everyone else's money, on a Bulgarian CAM girl. You somehow get your longtime friend's credit card details, Jericho, and steal his money to get back in touch with his girl. Not only for the five ninety nine point nine nine, let's say six hundred bucks, as that had run out, but then then try and get more tokens on his card. Just more hours. You just got to have more hours to talk to her for fuck's sake. Jericho's. He didn't know any of this at the time. The fact that he was having problems with this cam girl that he'd spent all this money. They'd sort of kept this away from other people. So he didn't know where these charges on his card were from when he got the notification. He did know that his credit card was frozen while overseas on this holiday. That's what he did know. Now I know the feeling having my Amex frozen the day before flying to Thailand. Now, it's not a good feeling, but Amex did have a replacement car for me delivered to my hotel within 36 hours. So as I'm flying over there, I land the next morning. It was sitting there down in the reception. It's really good. It's not an ad for Amex, but when you do have a good company sorting you out, they will make sure you're okay. I don't know how his Discover card for Jericho went, but look, Cody had money. Maybe he just ended up having to pay for everything. So obviously the tension between Grant and Cody was because Cody must have seen Grant on his tablet talking to Sylvie and wondered where he was getting the money to do it with. He knew it cost 600 bucks, and he knew Grant had no money whatsoever. Anyway, after the Japan trip, Grant had an argument with his father, which, as you can imagine was probably a daily occurrence. Now, Grant walked out of the house and went to the home of his aunt, Donna Amato. Straight away, she noticed strange charges on her credit card. Soon, strange charges were appearing on credit cards belonging to Grant Amato's grandmother, Gloria Amato, Uncle Troy Amato, and one of his cousins. 
So everyone's suddenly getting, where's this my free cams charge coming from? Now, Chad, he ended up calling up Donna because she sort of was wondering what the hell's going on here. He had to urge her not to press charges. Now, Chad's saying, look, it's Grant who's stealing this money, but we're trying to help him through. Cody ended up saying to Donna, look, I'm going to pay you back. Don't worry. Now, Chad told Donna in regard to him having to remortgage his house that it's okay. Look, I'll do anything for Grant. I just don't want him to go to jail. So here we've got the father, the brother, all the other family members are getting touched. And he seems to be not getting any consequences whatsoever. And he seems to be able to keep doing what he was doing. And there's no consequences. Sometimes you need to let people have the consequences so they stop doing it. Anyway, the Amados, that's the family, that's Chad and Cody, took shifts outside Donna's place to prevent Grant from taking off. Now, that's really weird, but that's what they did. Then on early December the 22nd, Grant's family surprised him in the driveway of Donna's home and they drove him to a voluntary rehabilitation clinic for internet gaming and porn addiction in South Florida. Now, Cody would cover the $15,000 six-week program's cost. So here we go. The family are going to have an intervention here. That's why they didn't want him to run away from Donna's house. They're going to try and do... This is another $15,000. But when you look at the hundreds of thousands, fifteen grand. his brother doesn't mind spending another fifteen. He's just spent ten grand on him at a Japanese holiday. We've got to try and help this guy, this Grant guy. He's part of our family. They, they genuinely love him and care for him, even though what he's done. Now... <laughs> When he's in this $15,000 six-week program, he didn't stay the entire time. He checked himself out as cured on the 5th of January after only 14 days of that 60-day program. So he could only handle it two weeks. Now, when he was in there, you can imagine, he's got no phone, no tablet, no Wi-Fi, no internet, no Sylvie, no free cams, nothing. He sat there for two weeks and he just couldn't handle it. And he just walks out the door saying, no, I'm fine now. No problem. You know, I know you paid $15,000 for it, but hey, there's no refund and it's not my money. And I just don't want to be here anymore. So Chad, he ended up taking Grant to the California Pizza Kitchen in Waterford Lakes. He ended up, you know, he's come out of this two after two weeks He wrote him up a list of rules that he had to abide by if he wanted to keep living at home. Now, Chad Amato had left a fraudulent line, like I said, this fraudulent line of credit filed by Grant to go through so he wouldn't be reported. So basically, what these rules were, that Grant was to get a job, which you can imagine there's nothing wrong with getting your son to go out and get a job. He should stay off the internet all night. His phone service would be terminated as it was, his father was paying for it. It was in his father's name. So he's going to have no phone. Grant had to go to therapy and his family would no longer pay for his debts. 
They're going to have to pay for what he's got, but they're not going to pay for any more of this nonsense, and he's going to have to pay the $200,000 at some stage. He's just going to have to pay it back. But the biggie was that he could never contact Sylvie again. Now, even with these restrictions, Grant would use his mum's phone to try and contact Sylvie on Twitter. Now, this is free to send her a message on Twitter, but she ignored his messages. Well, she'd probably ignore a lot of messages. Some of these cam girls just use Twitter, Facebook and all that just to sort of try and promote their My Free Cams or whatever other service they're on. Okay, so Grant is grounded, but all his family are trying so hard to help him out to support him and shake him out of this obsession with Sylvie the cam girl. Now, I told you how frustrating it must have been for Jennifer Pan when she basically lied for four years about attending university and how even I was feeling frustrated thinking about it. Grant has basically, over the period of six months, gone from having a pretty good job to emptying his parents' bank account stolen from anyone he could get credit card details from, including close family and friends. He sold off anything he owns that was of any value. And even after tens of thousands of dollars have been spent on him with holidays and rehab, he still can't break the addiction to this virtual girlfriend. Now, on or around the 10th of January 2019, Grant was over playing video games at his friend Blake Turpin's place. Now, later, Blake was cleaning out his closet where his 9mm pistol was kept and noticed missing along with six rounds of ammo. Now, Grant was the only person other than himself that had been in the room. Now, we'll get to the 24th of January 2019 and this is where things escalate out of control. Now Grant's home's his home all day as usual. His father Chad goes to work and later in the day Cody goes to work. Margaret is working from home and is in her home office. Grant walks into his mother's room and shoots her in the head with the 9mm pistol he'd previously stolen from his friend Blake. She slumps forward onto her desk. A glass of wine unfinished stands on that desk. At 5.25pm, Grant's father arrives home. 67 steps later, while he places his lunchbox onto the kitchen table, and unaware of his dead wife in the other room, Grant sneaks up behind him and shoots him from behind the ear. Chad falls to the floor and tries to crawl to the kitchen counter. Grant stands, him, stands over him and shoots him in the back of the head. The bullet goes straight through his brain and chips the kitchen tiles. Grant then goes and gets a holster and belt, puts one of Chad's pistols in it and secures it around Chad's waist. But the holster is on Chad's right hip, but the holster is around the wrong way. Grant then uses his father's dead finger to unlock his iPhone. He cleans the finger on his father's bloodied hand. He then changes the lock screen as he hasn't finished using his dead father's phone yet. He then sends a message from his father's phone to Cody asking when he'll be coming home. At around 8.30pm, Jennifer Sawyer, a neighbour of the Amados, hears four or five gunshots and she would say, that was strange to hear gunfire at that time of night. It had been dark for hours. She didn't contact police or try to find out anything more about these shots. 
This is quite a rural area. Now, this would be Grant firing Cody's pistols, and he would collect the empty shells. At 10pm, Cody arrives home from nursing. He's in his scrubs and parks outside the house under a temporary carport. He walks in through the garage, and on entering the access door into the house proper, Grant shoots him in the head. Grant had been up against the wall, waiting for him to walk in. Grant then pulls his brother's body into the room and closes the door to the garage area. Grant then places one of the shells he collected previously near his mother's dead body. He then places two shells near his father's body and then one near Cody's body. He's staging the scene to look like Cody has killed his mother and father and then suicided himself. At 11.28pm, Grant performs an internet search on his father's phone to find out how to wipe an iPhone, in particular, Cody's iPhone. You know, Cody either didn't have a fingerprint lock set up or, or his dead finger didn't work. Grant had to get into Cody's iPhone as he had what's called a blink camera set up in his room and that was monitoring his computer so Grant couldn't use it while he was at work. Grant needed to be able to delete the video files that would be logged on Cody's phone. Now he can't get into Cody's phone, but at least he's able to delete the app, this Blink app that was on his father's phone, later at 12.31am. Now Cody's phone would never be found. At 12.08am, Grant again uses his dad's dead finger to open the banking app on his phone, his iPhone. Cody then adds an authorised transferee account, which he called Chad's son, to Chad's account and links this to his own bank account. He downloads files to a USB key. Now, this included photos of checkbooks, debit cards and credit cards. He also takes his father and Cody's credit and debit cards out of their wallets while they lie dead. He pulls the USB key out of the computer at 12.30am and as I mentioned before, at 12.31am, he deletes the Blink app from his father's iPhone. That also deletes any videos that would be sitting on his father's iPhone. He then puts his father father's iPhone back near his body. At 2.05am, he leaves and arrives at the Publix supermarket car park where he knows he can log onto the public Wi-Fi when he's parked at the car park. His Surface Pro MAC address is logged by the public's Wi-Fi system at 2.56am. At 3.02am, he opens up My Free Cams and then goes straight to Sylvie's webpage. At 3.06, he opens and then he reactivates his My Free Cams account and he buys $599.99 worth of tokens to spend on Sylvie with Cody's credit card. Grant stays connected to the Wi-Fi until 5.02am. He then checks into the Doubletree by Hilton, Ho- Double Tree by Hilton Hotel at Orlando East UCF area, and at 9.45am, he has a phone interview for a job. At around 10am, Cody fails to turn up to work, and this is highly unusual. Chris Sisko, friend and colleague of Cody, calls police and asks for a well-being check. Cody's always at work on time. He's always there early. He never misses a day. If he's ever going to be late or whatever, which they say he never was, he calls and tells everybody. So for him to not turn up, 
the <laughs> Cody's calling the cops. This is no mucking around. Now, police turn up at 2112 Sultan Circle property and they knock on the door. No one answers. They find an open sliding door and enter the property. They call for backup once they see the gruesome scene. Now, at first they think Chad Amato is actually Grant, but once the confusion and all that is straightened out, they are on the lookout for Jason and Grant Amato. Initially, the crime scene looks like a murder-suicide, but things just don't look right. News media and more police converge on the property and Grant. He actually does a drive-by in the shitbox Honda. He sees all the commotion and then he drives off. Obviously, coming back, not so much to see the crime scene as some, say, serial killers do. They always go back to see what's going on. I think he needs to go back. He's got to get something or do something. He sees all the cops and the news there. It's like, how the hell did they get this so soon? Shit. So he drives off and goes back to the hotel. Anyway, the coppers, they pick up Jason Amato. They pick him up pretty quickly, and he's surrounded by armed police. He's taken into custody and all that. that. But he's soon cleared of any involvement, and the search is then on for Grant. They can't find Grant. They've got Jason. Everyone else is dead. Where's Grant? 1.30pm on the 26th of January, Grant would be tracked down to the Doubletree by Hilton Hotel at Orlando East UCF area. Now, his hotel would be surrounded by armed police and Grant would surrender without any struggle. He was cuffed. Then once the cops were sure he was unarmed and no threat, they uncuffed him and they took him downtown. Now, in the interview room, he's sitting there in what looks like blue-green scrubs that he must have used as pyjamas. They look quite comfortable, these scrub things, and that's probably given them a use seeing as he doesn't work anymore as a nurse he's using them as pjs now he at this stage he's not been told whatsoever by anyone why he's been brought to the station now a couple of detectives come into the room and they start to talk to grant they're asking him questions about where he lives what he does for a living and grant's happy to talk he tells them his address that he's a nurse but he isn't working at the moment there's a legal problem he's trying to sort through all that Then he talks about his family, how his mum's worked her way up from high school, had a really good job at Nuance, earning around $90,000 a year. His dad works at CVS Online Pharmacist, $110,000 a year. But he didn't really like the work, but his qualifications meant that that was the area where he now had to work. He said his Cody, Cody, his brother, that he was also a nurse but had completed his anesthesia nurse qualifications. He could make over 160000 or more in a year. He told them that he'd tried to attain the same qualifications, but he'd dropped out in the final year of the course. He said Cody and himself, they both lived at home and that his older brother Jason, he'd left home, lived with his wife. He said they would play video games together and they'd recently gone on a trip to Japan together with a friend Jericho Fine, you know, Everyone got on well. There was no real big dramas. And asked then what he was doing on the night of the 24th. Now, he told them he'd been kicked out of the home because of money problems that arose after he'd spent a lot of the family's money on a virtual girlfriend. Now, he told he told them about Sylvie, the cam girl, how he could buy tokens to chat with her. He even told them how much they were as... <laughs> As I explained before, it wasn't cheap. You get them in $600 lots. 
and they last less than an hour. He told them that his father had found out he had contacted this Sylvie again after all these issues he'd had with spending all the money. And after being told that if he did, he would be kicked out. He also inferred that his father was abusive towards him and that he would never fight back against his father. He's trying to get this narrative that, yeah, my father's real abusive and I'm real sort of passive. And that's the way he is. And his father was stern. He, He was the one who had to deal out the discipline, but by no means was he abusive. Anyway, let's get back to this interview. So when his dad had told him to get out, what he said he did, he spent a couple of hours from around 5.30pm packing stuff into his car. He had to get some USB keys done, he had to get clothes and all this sort of stuff. And then he said he drove down the road and then at about 10pm, his brother Cody left work and went to see him after he was told, Cody had been told by their mum what had happened in the afternoon. So... Grant's just driving around the streets up the road away from the house and Cody on his way home is going to sort of find him and just have a bit of a chat. Now Cody found him up the road a bit, this is what Grant says, had a chat and said that he would go home now and try and smooth everything over with the father. Grant then says Cody gave him his credit card, his debit card and left and he was only there for about 10 minutes or so. Grant then said he just drove around for a little bit more and then he went to Publix supermarket car park to hook up to their Wi-Fi. Now he stayed in the car until morning, then got dressed into his suit and then went in for a face-to-face job interview. Okay, so the detectives, they already know a lot more than they're letting on and they still haven't mentioned the death of Grant's parents and brother. So in all this time... Grant's sitting there. He's been dragged in by the coppers. They're asking him all the questions about his family, what he does, what he's not doing. And yet they, have, they haven't even said, your mum, your dad, and your brother's dead. And Grant hasn't even asked. That, this is why everything's so weird. Why hasn't Grant asked why he's there? He's just chatting away. And it's like, what? Hang on, God. If I got dragged into the cop station like that, I'd be thinking, what do you want? You know, please tell me. But he's just going on and on, telling all these stories. So the cops, they start to push him a bit further for more detail. Where he was, at what time, and they're letting him know that they can find out all of this with traffic cameras and phone pings, phone records, all this digital footprint they can basically find out everything so don't lie because we'll find all this out the thing is they've found out most of it already now he's asked when he last saw his family and the last time he was at the house now grant told him that he was going to go back to the house on the 25th after being kicked out on the night of the 24th but then he saw news crews and police near his home so he decided not to go there and he drove back out of the area. Now, the cops ask him, well, you saw all these cops and news crews basically out the front of your house or just up the, the road a bit anyway. Did you do a Google search for whatever commotion would be happening near your house 
And eventually Grant says, yeah, he, he, he did do a news search and found there may have been a shooting. Now, this is really bizarre. If you drove down, drive, driving home from work or something and you saw all these cops out the front of your car and they're not letting you through, you know, what's going on, what's going on, You, the first thing you'd do, you'd start searching on Google, what's going on down here, blah, blah, blah. If it wasn't at your house, if if you were directly involved, they'd probably say, what's your name? Yeah, come through, go and sit over there, we'll tell you more. But you're going to Google what big news event is happening in my area. And that's what he did do. Of course, it's on his internet browser history. So, then the cops really start to go him a bit. The detective says that there's news crews and cops out in the front of your house and even after Googling that people have been shot and you're in a police interview room right now, not once have you asked about if your family are okay. Now, Grant sort of answers why he's, why do you think you're here from the cops? He, he sort of whimpers it. Maybe someone in my family is dead? And then Grant he changes his story. He says that no, he didn't meet Cody up the road and that he left after he got home at around 10pm. So he didn't go out at about 5.30, 6 o'clock. He didn't go up the road and he waited for Cody to come and meet him up the road. No, actually, I didn't leave till after 10pm. Cody was home. So his mom, his dad and Cody were all alive up to 10pm at least. He, he just lied about that little bit. But here's my new version of the stories. So the cops really start pushing him to tell the truth. They know they pretty much know exactly what happened. They just need a confession a la Jennifer Pan in the last episode. Now, they show him crime scene photos of his dead family. They're really piling it on now. They know he did it. They just need him to admit it. So they're getting the... Photos, shocking photos. If you watch my YouTube channel version of this, you'll probably see it. I also have a link to all the uh, Google Drive link to all the crime scene photos. So you might be interested in seeing some of those. So they're showing him all these crime scene photos of his dead family. They're really trying to get him to confess. Then Grant meekly suggests that maybe Cody was protecting him by killing chat but this just look these sort of things don't make any sense he has set it up as a to make it look like a murder suicide it's obviously doesn't look like that at all but he's starting to go okay well this is my other story the cops tell him that they know there are only four people in the house that day and three of them are dead the ballistic reports show that the shells didn't match the projectiles that killed his family that the angles are all wrong for some sort of murder-suicide. They tell him that they've found a USB drive in his car, in Grant's shipbox Honda, and that has photos of passports, credit cards and debit cards of all his family members. They even told him how they had such a huge electronic footprint of everything he did as even something from pulling out the USB drive from his computer the time that happened is logged to logging onto the Wi-Fi and then when phones were locked, when phones were unlocked, when they were plugged on the charger, when they were unclipped from the charger, they knew 
all of this stuff already from just one day and that his story just doesn't add up at all because they've got all this evidence, just like Jennifer Pan interview, they, they already know what has happened. They, You just need to confess, Grant. Just confess. Come on, let's get this over and done with. It's your the only way forward. You haven't thought this thing out properly, mate. Now, they used your father was abusive and they understand if you had to defend yourself. Maybe that's what happened. You just don't want to tell us. But tell us the truth now. Now's the chance. The only chance. And it's funny because the, the copper says, come to Jesus and tell the truth. I mean, that's down. I don't know if this is in the Bible Belt, but yeah, come to Jesus and tell the truth. Now, he actually did say that. So, uh, But no matter how bizarre Grant's story seemed, he's just not going to come clean. He's just going to resist, just like Jennifer, for so long. Now, after what must have been four hours in this interview, they took the clothes that he was wearing, of course, for forensic examination, and they then let his brother Jason come in for a bit of a chat. Now, of course, the video still running that was obviously not a private chat so anyway jason asked grant what went on and grant told him what he told the detectives i don't know wasn't me i was just left and then they're all dead but jason said that he pretty much knows that you you killed everyone grant you're my brother that's what i think you've done you've done it you what you say doesn't make any sense mate then basically, 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 Jason basically tells him to stay away from him and his family, but he still loves him, but he's just really scared to be around him. Now it's about the end of, end of the interview at this stage. Now Grant's allowed to leave, but he can't go back to his hotel. Obviously, they're still doing forensic on that room, so the cops help him find one. Now, you might think that why let him go? But they had surveillance on him from the moment he walked out of that police station until the next day when they arrested him and charged him with three counts of first-degree murder. So, then we get this trial. Now, if you're interested, on YouTube, you can find not only Grant's interview, but also the crime scene body cam footage. There's body cam footage when they went to get him at the Doubletree Hotel, and, if, and there's all the trial footage. It's quite interesting. A lot of hours, but if you want to find the story from the start to the end, that's not a bad old thing. Just the same as the Jennifer Pan interviews were quite interesting. Now, the amount of evidence they had against him was a lot of it circumstantial, or I guess phone records for his brother, for his dad. You don't know exactly who's holding the phone at any time, but it's still pretty much... When you put it all together, all this, all this evidence strengthens other evidence. And Grant, he's still going to plead not guilty. He's not given up on this. And as I said before, they had traffic cam footage of when his dad got home. When his dad plugged his iPhone into the charger in the car, they know the music he was listening to at that moment. He, when he unplugged it, you name it, they had such an electronic footprint of everyone that was involved in this. The last interaction his mum had on her computer, that showed the time that she was killed. She was talking to people basically right up to the moment where 
Messages were failed to be answered, emails, all that stopped. His dad and Cody, they were still at work at that time and Grant told them he was at home at that time. Then when his dad got home, his lock screen on the iPhone got changed and it was done with the dad's dead finger. Then they knew when Cody left work and how he was still in his scrubs when killed and had been dragged into the house and the door closed behind him. Now, there was blood in the door jam. So that showed that the door was open when he was shot. There was blood sprayed into this door jam. Then his body was dragged in and then the door was closed. There was blood in the closed door jam. That showed that the door was actually open when he was shot and then somebody had dragged his body in through the door so that they could close the door behind him. Also, they found blood under the holster on his father, Chad. So out of the blood spray, how does it get under the holster? So the holster was put on after he was shot. Also, we know that the shells, they didn't match the projectiles used to kill Chad, Margaret and Cody. So it wasn't the gun found near Cody that was used to kill them. Neither was Chad's gun used that night. So prosecutors showed how it was Grant's obsession with Sylvie the cam girl that brought all this on. How he'd spent over 200000 of his family's money on Sylvie in just a few short months. And now that he was being kept from contacting her, that this is what drove him to kill everyone. The people who were stopping him from going to Sylvie, being able to chat with her online, the people who'd blown his cover with her, he had to kill them. Now, what makes this such an awful case is that his dad, his mum and his brother, they all loved him so much and they just tried everything to help him. Even after all that money was stolen from them and wasted on this Bulgarian virtual girlfriend, and again, it was not her fault at all. She thought he was independently wealthy. She had no idea until his parents told her that that his whole life was a lie. Now, of course, he would be found guilty, but then he faced whether or not he was going to get the death penalty or not. He didn't get that, although the prosecutor really pushed for it. And I can see why they would. When you look at every absolute minute detail in this case, you can see why the prosecutors wanted the death penalty. Now, if you do, of course, if you do watch this trial on YouTube, he basically sits there without any emotion the whole time until they put an image of Sylvie up on the projector and his eyes are just fixed there. It's just like, wow, there's Sylvie. There she is up there. He's just looking at it, just drooling over her. It's just crazy that he's had so much time already to get over her. He's had time to think about what he has done to his family, not only drained their finances, but he's gone and murdered them all. And he's still fixated over this Sylvie. Now, what... Must the uh, the only surviving brother think, uh, Jason, what he must think of his half, because his half brother to Grant and Cody was Grant and Cody were full brothers. He must he must be thinking that he would also be dead if he happened to just be at the house at that same time, or even if he'd been visiting with his family, that they might all be dead. Now he literally dodged a bullet. Now addiction is. Well, can be real a real tough thing to beat if you can ever really beat it. 
Grant only had one thing on his mind, and that was Sylvie. She gave him the thrills in his life that he was lacking. She didn't judge him. That wasn't her job. Whereas he was constantly being judged by his family. Grant was so focused on Sylvie that he was willing to not only financially ruin his family, but steal anything from family and friends just to get his fix. He even took the opportunity two weeks before the killings to steal a gun from his other friend to do the job. Then he waited, he planned and followed through to murder the three people closest to him who loved him, who were doing everything to try and help him get on with his life. For what? Using his dad's dead finger to unlock his iPhone? What a fucking asshole! I mean, remorse, only that he didn't make it to the airport and fly to Bulgaria. What the fuck would have happened then? I'm, I'm sure Sylvie wouldn't be into mixing business and pleasure, plus she already knew he was a loser with nothing. In fact, what he did have and give her wasn't even his. This was just a truly unbelievable case. Boomfuckalunga. That's where we're going to end the episode this week. Well, at the end of the show, we usually do the old Patreon thing. And thanks to all my past, present and new patrons for your financial support. It does make a difference as True Crime Island is commercial free for all. So no annoying ads for undies or food delivery or shit like that. And all my content is available for everyone no matter if you can donate or not. And thanks to Rachel Hale, Faith Chapman, Dawn Nardi and Rodney Kavaris. Thank you all so much. It's very much appreciated. If you want to help out the island, you can go to patreon.com forward slash truecrimeisland. If you don't like the monthly thing, you can also do the PayPal thing. PayPal link is donate.truecrimeisland.com or paypal.me forward slash truecrimeisland. And thank you so much, Greg Hatton, for giving me a few bucks there this week greatly appreciated but remember islanders support yourself before you support the island i know times are tough at the moment if you are already doing a patreon thing and you need to drop out that's no problem you've got to sort yourselves out before you support the island the island like i said is free you don't have to support it financially at all there's all other ways to do it we've got merchant threadless and redbubble now i've updated the website truecrimeisland.com there is a button there, well, button, it's, it's written up there, contact and merch link. If you click on that, you'll get all the Threadless and Redbubble links. If you ever have any problem with any of that merch, don't forget to email them. They all want you to be 100% satisfied, but also let me know as well, because I need to know, I, I buy a lot of the stuff there, but I do want to know what experience you're getting. Now, the Hot Pink Logo promo shirt should have shipped by the time you're hearing this, so please look out for them in the mail, and thanks for all those who picked one of those up. Maybe we need a fan art version of the bonfire promo thing coming in the next few months so send me your artwork your true crime island artwork or whatever artwork maybe we need a bit of a competition whoever wins gets the gets a free version of the shirt okay there's also links to my facebook and twitter you'll find it hard to get the if you do find it hard to get this link just drop me an email i'll send it through cambo at truecrimeisland.com you can also support the island by rating and reviewing also by sharing it with your friends and family so that's a free way of helping out the island i really do appreciate it 
please feel free to check out my YouTube channel and subscribe. We're giving away a t-shirt at 1,000 subs. I think it's pretty close now. So a bit more motivation to have a look. And thanks to all those who have subbed. We're getting so close to 1,000. I will be recording a special clip where people will be able to comment and that will be your entry for a free t-shirt. Please feel free to comment there, subscribe and get a notification. You can hit the little bell. I've also added a link for this on my website. If you want to contact me, the best way is cambo at truecrimeisland.com. All the other ways are quite difficult for me to go back over and search if required. So if we're having a chat on Facebook Messenger or something like that, and three weeks later I go, oh, I got asked to have a look at this case. I can't find it. I can't remember where it is uh, unless I really know you very, very well and know that you were the one who requested a case. It's just almost impossible. So if you email me, I can put a little star when your email comes in and then I can see all the starred ones. I can actually do a word search. So if it's, do you want to do Bundy or whatever, I can just type in something and I can find who was requesting it. Okay, that's about it. I've been your host, Camber. You've been listening to True Crime Island. And as I always say, don't forget to delete your browser history. Good night. Boom, fuck a